Okay, can I encourage you to, to sit up straight, to engage in the Word of God, to hear what He might be saying this morning? Can I give a very big welcome to anyone that's visiting that hasn't been here in a while? Uh, my family is starting to slowly come in. Angie's away this morning picking up her sister. Um, her sister's never been to New Zealand, so if you see Maggie at any point, she's going back kind of soon. Uh, my dad is coming into town. Uh, he'll probably be with us next Sunday. If you thought my brother was crazy, you're in for a, a, a treat. Um, and so it's just, it's, a, it's an exciting season for us right now. But everyone's traveling in our family, and we, we love to travel. Our family is a family that loves to travel. But one of the things I was thinking of recently is we've traveled quite a bit when, when Angie was pregnant. And it's, and it's hard enough to travel with toddlers, but we traveled when Angie was pregnant. And I remember one of the first times, I don't know if it was the first time we came to New Zealand or, or the second, and we went to Tapapa. And every time that we were walking all day when she's pregnant and we're traveling, like if you're going to a museum or she'd never been there before. And I'd been there a million times and seen all the same things a million times. So it was kind of, uh, it was whatever for me. But, but Angie hadn't been. So we, we went and we got her a wheelchair because she was going to be, um, she was going to be walking all day. So we tried to, you know, alleviate some of that walking. But since I'd kind of seen all of the exhibits, you know, more times than, than, than I'd like to, so I needed to engage myself a little bit more. And so pushing someone on a wheelchair has its benefits. And um, so we, we came to a slope, and I decided to let go of the wheelchair. Um, and I, Mel was a little bit ahead of me, and I said, Mel, catch. Mel didn't catch. And Angie was introduced to the New Zealand bush at that time because we were outside in Tapapa in that little bush walk. And I, there's so many other times that we, we just happen to be traveling. We went to Disneyland another time with Angie. And so, again, we got a wheelchair because um, Disneyland, you're just walking. And when you go to Disneyland, there's one thing that you can guarantee, that you're going to stand in line for most of the day. That's just kind of what you do when you go to Disneyland. You're going to stand in line for a really long time. And so you're kind of expecting that, and you're ready for standing in line. And, and I think they've actually found something genius because I don't think their rides are that good, and I don't think their food is that good. You've just been waiting in line for so long that it doesn't matter what it is. This is the most amazing thing ever. You're just happy not to be in line anymore. But this thing happened. So we, we, put, Angie in, uh, we put Angie in the wheelchair, and, and we went up to the first, first ride, and we, we just got in the normal line, right? And immediately, an employee came up to us, very official looking. They were serious, and they said, no, 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 you're in the wrong line. You need to come with us. And so we went around with this person, and they took us to some special back entrance and opening doors you're not supposed to go through. And we're all just walking along, you know, like past all the people that, that are in line. And, and we pretty much got straight on the ride. We still had to wait maybe five or ten minutes for them to do their bits and pieces. And it didn't just happen the one time. It happened again and again. And there was, there was a couple of rides that we couldn't get on right away, so we had to do the full waiting. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't even imagine how impatient we were on those ones. We're just like, come on, this is unacceptable. So we did a little bit of waiting, and there was even one time when we, it was so official, we were escorted from one ride to the next to make sure that we immediately got on there. There are only some things that you just, there are some things that you just can't do without the right people. There are some things that you just can't do without the right people. We achieved the impossible at Disneyland that day. We had special access because of the person that we were with. 
And hear this from John 15, 5. It says, he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Can't do without is what we're talking about this morning. And I would like to submit to you that we cannot do what we've been called to do without the Holy Spirit. We cannot do what we've been called to do without the Holy Spirit. Jesus describes the Holy Spirit, as we've already talked about, as our helper. In John 16, 7, he says, It is to your advantage that I go away. We've been celebrating the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But he says, It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. And one of the ideas that I want to look at this morning is is the psalmist says it so beautifully. He says, That God is truly our very present help in time of need. He's our very present help in time of need. He's not our very present help tomorrow, although he'll be there tomorrow. He's going to help us right here, right now in the situation that we're currently involved in. He's your very present help in time of need. And so the story I want to pull out uh, is when Samuel anoints David as king. And so I'm just going to read this story out and, um, and we'll keep going. So I'm reading from 1 Samuel 16. If you're a Christian, you have your Bible this morning. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I will send you to Jesse, it's a phenomenal name, the Bethlehemite. For I have provided for myself a king among his sons. And Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. And invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. Samuel did what the Lord commanded and came to Bethlehem. The elders of the city came to meet him trembling and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. And he consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. When they came, he looked on Eliab, and he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and made him pass before Samuel. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. Then Jesse made Shammah pass by. And he said, Neither has the Lord chosen this one. And Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, The Lord has not chosen these. Then Samuel said to Jesse, Are all your sons here? And he said, There remains yet the youngest. But behold, he is keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, Send and get him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and had beautiful eyes and was handsome. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon David from that day forward. And Samuel rose and went to Ramah. It's a mouthful. I'm glad I don't have seven sons. I can barely keep up with my two Samuel got a word from God in a time that was very trying. Israel had got their first king, and their first king 
didn't really work out the way that they were hoping that it was going to work out. They're in a time of tribulation, and it says that Samuel was grieving the loss of Saul. So Samuel was in a trying time, in the trying time of their nation. And he got a word from God. How many of you know that it's an encouraging thing when you get a word from God, especially when you're in a trying time? That's something that kind of comes in and it's like, it really is, um, just feeds the soul. It is an awesome thing to get direction from the Lord. It is, it's, it's exhilarating to hear the voice of God. Samuel gets a word, a revelation from God, and that revelation is that I'm going to anoint a new king. I'm going to be doing a new thing here. So Samuel has, he kind of has a mission now. He has direction of what he's going to do. And, and not only does he have direction of what he's going to do, but he's done it before. How many, I'm, I'm usually pretty appreciative when God gives me a word for something that I, I know that I can do. It's not something that's, that's completely out of the frame of context of what I've done before. So Samuel had already anointed Saul, the king. So he was being called to anoint a new king, something that he'd kind of already done before. So he probably had a lot of confidence that he was able to do what God was calling him to do. It wasn't his first rodeo. But hearing the voice of God, how many, when you, when you first come into the knowledge of who Jesus is, and you start to hear some of his encouragements, so you start to hear some of what he, he's, he's speaking to you, the first time that God spoke to you, do you remember the first time that God spoke to you, that you had confirmation from him, if it's through prophecy, through someone laying on hands, if it's through the word of God, if it's just through your everyday, if it's through a movie, God speaks. How many of you know you pay a lot of attention when you're first hearing God speak? Now, I, I was thinking about this story. It was just this week when, um, when my son Archer was first born. I was, when, when they're just a baby, it's hard to connect, right? At least, at least it was for me. They don't, they don't give you very much except things that you don't really want. <laughs> and so I couldn't wait until he was growing a little bit. I couldn't wait to hear his voice. I, I really wanted to hear what were the things that he was going to tell me. What was the way that he's going to say those things? What are some of the thoughts that are going on in his head? Why does he need so much? You know, I wanted to answer questions for me. I couldn't wait to hear his voice. And then remember the first word. I don't know if you remember the first word of your, of your um, you know, your firstborn. And I, I think it gets less each child you have. But you, their first word, they say, you know, like glugly. You're like, oh, man, that's anointed. That's just... That's powerful. I don't know what it means, but there's got to be depth to what this child has. This child is going to be a prophet, you know? Or I don't know what the first words are, but you, you give them a lot of, you know, they, they, you know, a dad, mom, who's the favorite? Who's going to say first? It means a lot what, what, what they're going to say, what's coming from their voice. And then after time, they don't stop talking. And they don't stop talking, and they keep talking, and they keep talking, and they keep talking until you have to say, okay, okay. That's enough. Thank you very much. I really appreciate some of that. But, okay, we don't say it anymore. Please stop. And so I remember just this week, I was walking into my house after a long day, and I was unlocking the door, and we'd had a successful dinner out as a family. And I was walking in, and I was so looking forward to my favorite time of the day, which is the boys' bedtime. And uh, we're coming in. And, And I didn't even notice, but Archer had been talking to me almost the entire time as we're walking inside. And I, and I was like, man, I just missed a huge portion of what he said as I was focused on where I was going and what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And the voice that at one time I had so longed to hear, 
the voice that at one time I had, I had been so expectant and had been in a space to hear everything that he wanted to say. I even remember the difference of like, he would say anything and I'd be right there to, to coming to a place where I didn't hear him talking for at least a minute. And he was talking right by him. I said, Daddy, this, who knows what he said. And, and it was quickened to me that how much are we like that with the Holy Spirit possibly? I won't put that on you because maybe it's just me that walks through it. But we're so expectant to hear his voice and so ready to hear his voice and so in the zone to hear what he's saying. But then when we get distracted, and I'm not even saying it's getting distracted with a bad thing. You might be on mission. You might have a word or a revelation from God. But, but listen what he says. So he says, go to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I've provided for myself a king among his sons. He got a word from God. I can imagine he would have been excited and, and poignant. But hear the second part of that word, and invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what you shall do. And you shall anoint for me him whom I declare to you. I think too often we miss that part of the character of God. He gives us a word to go and anoint a king of Israel. And so we get so focused on on the mandate, on the mission, on the direction of what he's called us to do that we don't realize that when we get there, he still needs to show us and be talking to us and revealing more stuff to us. He says, go and anoint a king of Israel and I will show you what you shall do when you go. Here's, if you're a note person, this is a very noteworthy point right here. We cannot rely on yesterday's revelation, but rather on today's conversation. We cannot rely on yesterday's revelation, but rather on today's conversation. What does Jesus himself say? In Luke 12, 11, he says, Don't be anxious about what to say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He also goes on in John 14, 26. He says, I will send the helper, the spirit of truth. He will bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. I think overconfidence, lack of confidence, overfamiliarity, Any distractions that you can identify in your life are all vying for your attention. And I even think a great word from God can go unfulfilled because we're so locked into trying to achieve that mission in our own strength. One of the number one things I've been so challenged by recently is staying in touch 24-7 with the voice of what God is saying. We cannot rely on the prophecy that you had yesterday. But you have to rely on what is God speaking right now. And I'm just going to reword the, uh, that, that major point to say today's conversation allows us to express yesterday's re- revelation. So I'm going to say that again. Today's conversation allows us to express yesterday's revelation. What are we saying? We're saying we have to stay in touch with the Holy Spirit. We can't get a word from God and then go and try and achieve it in our own strength, in our own power, and by ourselves. We need our helper, who Jesus said, it's better for me to go away. But if we're not using our helper, then it's not going to be, we're not going to be able to achieve what God has, has put and placed in each and every one of our hearts. We have talked so much 
about the things that God has created in each and every one of us to achieve and the purposes that he has for every one of us. And our heart is passionate to see that realized in this church and in this city and this community. But we cannot do it on our own strength. We can't do without the Holy Spirit. Neville, I think you're going to be blessed next week by the word that he's going to bring. But he's going to talk more about that. But I'm just, I want to sow in your hearts. We don't have the Holy Spirit to keep it inside of us. We have the Holy Spirit to give it away as much as we possibly can. We cannot do, and I I love what Bruce Billington, he he says it so often. He says, what are you doing that's impossible right now? What's the, we we can take that and, and we can just leave it in the realm of impossibility. Or we can severely challenge ourselves to say, what am I doing? And I want to suggest to you that has far less with just thinking the most crazy thing that you can do and just going to try and do it to being sensitive to what God is leading you right now in today's conversation. He's guiding you. He's wanting to speak to you. He's wanting to show himself for the most powerful God that he is. But we can only engage that if we're connected to him today and not, not still let, somewhere in, in the past, even if it was something good. Samuel had literally been there before when he anointed the first king of Israel, Saul. I just wanted to read, um, just, just backtrack really quickly to, to when he, um, he anointed Saul. This is 1 Samuel 9. And he says, there was a man named Saul. He was a handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. From his shoulders upward, he was taller than any of the people. And in verse 17, it goes on to say, When Samuel saw Saul, the Lord told him, Here is the man of whom I spoke to you. He it is who shall restrain my people. So Saul, Samuel had been there before when he anointed, the king of, when he anointed Saul. And so let's fast forward back to our story. And it says, And Samuel consecrated Jesse and his sons, and he invited them to the sacrifice. And when they came, he looked on Eliab, the oldest son, and he thought, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. This is the guy. This is, he, he saw, Saul was handsome, taller than everybody else. He saw another guy. Man, this is going to be the perfect replacement. There's another very handsome, strong young man. Here's the next major point, if I could have you write it down. By yourself, you will replicate what you've already had and where you've already been. By yourself, you will replicate what you've already had and where you've already been. I love Andy Stanley. He says this in a lot of his leadership talks. He's talking about an organization, but I think it applies to us us as individuals. That right now, you yourself are currently perfectly positioned to get the results that you're currently getting. Right now, whatever results you're currently getting in your life, you're perfectly positioned for. Meaning we can't produce something outside of who we are. But there's, there's, there's a word that I heard recently at the Arise Conference from Pastor Jensen Franklin, and it was really, really powerful. And I'm just going to share it with you very briefly. His, his whole message was called the seventh hand. And we're going to do some math right now, so, so bear with me. So, you know, the biblical... Um, uh, token of measurement for, doing, uh, for, for building things was called a cubit. Everybody say cubit. Cubit. So a cubit was, and I'm going to have to do, so if you just take your hand with me like this, 
So you straight. So the top of your middle finger is where the cubit is going to start, and and you measure it in hand breadths. So a hand breadth is just your your pinky, to to. So it's like it's this space right here. So what you're going to do is you're going to take your hand and and put your pinky at the top of your middle finger. So just resting, just like that. Oh, multitasking is not my strong suit. And so a cubit is you're going to go all the way down to your elbow and count how many it is. So I'm going to save you the counting, so I'll show you what I'm going to do. It's going to one, two, whoops, I can't move my hand properly, two, three, four, five, six. So it should be six hand breadths is a cubit, okay? Now, believe me, I had no idea where he was going with with this, and I said, "I, I don't care about a cubit or a hand breadth, right? But when... God gave instructions to build his temple, to build something that was not temporary. He didn't say to build it with a cubit. He said, I want you to build my temple with a cubit and a handbreadth. A cubit and a handbreadth. Now, he went into the whole idea that a cubit, there's six handbreadths is what makes a cubit. Now, six in the Bible is the number of man. It represents who we are in our strength and what we can do and what capabilities we have in and of ourselves. But God instructed when building the temple a cubit and a handbreadth, meaning you do everything that you can do. You put all of your resources, you put all of your talent, your equipping, your your upskilling, your training, the word of God, you put all of that into the mix. But when you're building something eternal, you need that seventh hand, a cubit and a handbreadth, which is the hand of God. And he used an example of talking about when Elijah was, was waiting for the rain to come. And he sent his servant and he said, do you see anything in the distance? And his servant said, no, I don't see anything. He says, go again. So his servant goes again. And he tells him again and again. He sends him six times. He sees nothing. He says, you need to go one more time. On that seventh time, what does he say? I see a cloud in the distance the size of a man's hand. At the edge of the horizon. It is that seventh hand. It's the hand of God. It's the thing that we cannot do that will take us into building the eternal. You will be able to build things in your life. You will not be able to build what God is calling you to build in your life without the Holy Spirit. You will not be able to build the eternal in your life without the Holy Spirit. It is the seventh hand that does what we cannot do to build what only He can build. Amen? By yourself, you will replicate what you've already had and where you've already been. The same thinkings and the patterns you've developed, the same response to conflict, the same things that you keep speaking out loud. We can only go where we've been. We cannot move into what God has for us without the Holy Spirit's leading. So just for the sake of time, I'm, I'm going to be at my last point. But if, if it's easy to hand, can you pull out your, uh, your driver's license for me? If it's easy, if it's not, it's okay. I'm just seeing who's driving legal today. We're sending our team around right now to check. No. So if, if you can, can you, can you turn around? So you can look at the wonderful picture on the front if you want, but just turn it around. Does, does anybody have any conditions? And you don't have to yell out what the conditions are, but I'm, I'm going to read what my condition is. I imagine many of you have the same condition that I do. It says, correcting lenses must be used while driving. Do I have a witness in the house? Tim, my man. 
correcting lenses must be used while driving. And so I'm going to give you um, uh, something quite exciting. Can, can you pop up the, the photo on the screen for me? Um, that is a handsome man. <laughs> the anointing of God is on that man. So that is myself when I was, was, when I was younger. Correcting lenses must be used while driving. I've got my correcting lenses up there. They were powerful correcting lenses too. Correcting lenses must be used while driving. That's the next point. If you write that down, correcting lenses must be used while driving. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. The Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. We need corrective lenses of the Holy Spirit to see through to the heart. The Word of God is so clear that we don't see what we need to see when we're doing what we need to do. If we don't have the Holy Spirit... The message this morning is can't do without. We literally can't do these things without the Holy Spirit. When we're talking about this big picture of doing the impossible, you can't do the impossible if you can't see through to the heart. If you don't have the corrective lenses of the Holy Spirit on. The Lord said to Samuel, you do not see as I see. But we have a helper who is with us that puts us into situations. Our heart is to, start, is to start seeing transformation in our families, in our workplaces, in our community. We cannot see transformation if we continue to wear, if we continue to be without our correcting lenses. And that correcting lenses is staying connected to the Holy Spirit, not getting over familiar with His voice, not, not getting uh, distracted by anything else that's going around. We cannot express his kingdom if we do not have those corrective lenses on. And just the insight into, and we say, oh, what is it? Not that, what does it matter? But I want to show you the repercussions of what would have happened. This is fast forwarding to 1 Samuel 17, 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. He's talking to David. We see a glimpse into the heart of the man that Samuel wanted to put as the next king of uh, Israel. So reflective of who Saul was. Jealousy. Anger, rage in this man. You only, you'll replicate where you've already been and what you've already had without the Holy Spirit. But God sees through to the heart. We need the Holy Spirit. We can't do it without Him. We've had a huge emphasis on what God has called you to. And He's called you to amazing things. You cannot achieve those amazing, amazing things without the Holy Spirit. We can't do without And I love this. It says, this is the last scripture and we'll wrap up. Hebrews 3 verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. I hear the Holy Spirit's voice so often and it's so easy to ignore sometimes. 
I, a really practical example. If I'm on social media and I'm scrolling through, I'll often hear, okay, you're done now. If, if I don't done, I can guarantee an image that's about to pop up will be something that would distract me. That will, I mean, it's not even, I'm not saying even anything bad, but it's just something that will put my head in the wrong space. I'm telling you, he's speaking often. Can we rekindle that, that passion to hear his voice that we had when we first came into the knowledge of who he was? When you're longing to hear, Holy Spirit, what are you wanting to say to me? Can we, in the midst of our situation, in the midst of our day, not tune out the Holy Spirit when we're on mission? And you might even think you're on mission for him. But don't go on mission for him without him. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. He is speaking. Let us hear. We can have all the giftings in the world. We can have all the talent and all of that. But if we're not being guided by today's conversation rather than yesterday's revelation, we're going to end up replicating what we already have and where we've already been because we need to be wearing those corrective lenses while driving. We must do our part. We do the six, we do, we do the six hand breaths, and then God will do the, the part that only he can do. Amen? Let's pray. Jesus, we're believing for that seventh hand, Jesus. We're believing and pushing, and we're not going to stop pushing for transformation, Jesus. Lord, we're not content to be spectators of your word. We're not content to just go through life, Father. Stir in us something that wants to express who you are. Lord, as Ben was bringing us into communion, Father, talking about your life, Jesus, we as a body of believers want to express your life. Father, I pray that you would break open those boundaries. And the way that you break them open is that we have to be guided by your Holy Spirit. We have to be hearing when you're telling us to push and when you're telling us to hold back. Jesus, let us be sensitive to what you're doing and what you're birthing in us. We cannot do it by ourselves. We can't do without your Holy Spirit. Jesus, we offer ourselves into your hands. Lord, we're speaking in faith that as we passionately listen to your voice today, Lord, let us not harden our hearts. In your mighty name, Father, we're surrendering to you to do your work in our lives. We're expectant for you to speak, Jesus. Give us that childlike excitement to hear your voice again. Release your people this week. Lord, I speak, we speak protection over your people and we speak purpose over your people. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen.